not winning 90% of your new business because you have some sort of incredible value. I'm going to take a bit of a different angle. You know, I've got a budget this big. I'm going to give it to you because you have a, a really killer plan. You give a Red Bull to a turtle, what do you expect? I think that's a dead turtle. <laughs> so let's move on to... Uh, hey, Rick. Cheers. 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 Does your current premium finance company lock you into long-term agreements? That's because they don't want you talking to us. At IFS, we win your business the good old-fashioned way, with customer service. I know you don't always have to use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers. Hi there, and welcome to a very special episode of the Digital Insurance Pint Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Reed, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jeff Roy, CEO of Excalibur Insurance, Steve Earl, CEO of Cheap Insurance, and Adam Mitchell, CEO of Mitchell and Whale. And today we are joined by two special guests, Colin and Steve from the IBAO, who are going to help us dive into the Going Paperless project and what it means uh, for brokers. I just wanted to say a big thank you to IFS Premium Finance, our premier sponsor, as well as the Crew Group, and of course, Garrison's Brewery. Thanks very much, guys. Without you, this is not possible. So Colin is obviously the CEO of the Insurance Brokers Association of Ontario. Uh, Steve, do you want to do a quick intro of yourself? Sure. I'm a partner with 3Tree. I think it provide solutions uh, in focusing the insurance space in Canada and uh, helping the IBAO facilitate their, their going paperless initiative here uh, nationally with, with all the stakeholders. Awesome. So we've been talking about going paperless like everyone knows what we're talking about. So I'm going to throw it over to Colin and or Steve to give our listeners uh, their perspective on what this project is. So yeah, I can start off. So uh, the IBO has a three-year strategic plan and included in that plan was originally to look at consumer data um, and what we need to do to access that data and make sure that we can communicate it effectively across the industry. And as we moved into the pandemic, it became pretty evident because everybody had to uh, quickly um, pivot to work from home that we needed to start thinking a little bit further ahead. Um, some of the insurance companies started to move into going paperless um, pretty quickly. So we created the project to look at going paperless, it became a, a national issue. Um, but as ever, the IBO uh, stepped in. We have uh, quite a large um, broker base, obviously, com you know, compared with the other provinces. Um, and uh, it's easy for us to include uh, additional areas of the country in a lot of what we do. So we started to pick up uh, the pieces and started to move forward on going paperless. Um, it started off with some initial discussions with the initial front movers um, out in the marketplace and they expanded um, accordingly. Um, one of the main drivers, obviously, is to give consumers choice. It's all based on um, consumer preferences. And it was really trying to assist the industry in order to facilitate that as a group. Um, now, as you are very aware, the industry all moves at different paces at different times. And it's really just a coordination exercise of what uh, we had to look at. Um, so originally, 
Uh, we set out to try and figure out how to help the brokers understand what they needed to do. Um, but I very quickly started to expand on helping the insurance companies to figure out what they had to do to help the brokers. Um, so we had some uh, quick wins that we looked at. Uh, we had some issues that were raised as a group. Um, and we had a relatively short time frame to start looking at uh, solutions, which is around about, we pitched it at probably about 12 or 18 months. And the project's due to conclude um, probably about March of this year. Thanks, Colin. So maybe paint the picture for our audience here. They talk, you talk about standards for documents like most brokers are used to getting a deck page or a billing statement or what have you in the mail. And it's pretty obvious when a human broker looks at it, what's a billing statement and what's a deck page and a pink slip and so on. Why do you need standards when you're going digital? Well, you need to be able to figure out where all these documents are in, uh, you know, within the data so that you can ensure that when a consumer going to the basic form where when a consumer goes to look for the document, they actually find the document they're looking for. Um, And behind that is really how do you get the document to move through the various tiers of the supply chain effectively and efficiently. So that's kind of where um, the standards really play a key important role. Um, But it's not just the standards, it's how you actually use and interpret them. So you're coming to the towards the end of your, the third phase, the final phase of the project here. And obviously um, this is going to go live, like you said, and different times with different carriers and different vendors. Why, why do you think brokers need to pay attention to this now? Like you're uh, just starting into a fairly extensive communications plan, why, obviously to make brokers aware of what's going on. Why, why, why is it something important to brokers that they need to pay attention to? As we move forward in our um, society, consumers start to demand um, better and more effective servicing. Um, and also it puts pressure on the business models themselves to try and reduce costs and become more efficient in the way you can actually transact business. Consumers are going to start um, to demand to be able to do transactions um, themselves electronically. Um, are we there yet? Not entirely. And, you know, the consumer survey that we've, you know, we've undertaken would indicate that's the case, that we're not there yet. But there's great opportunities there. Um, clearly, as we moved into the pandemic, you know, many of the insurance companies had to look at the way they were doing things. A lot of um, you know, physical effort in an insurance company is around paper, um, the printing, the packaging, the posting. Um, so as you start to look at any kind of business model that you're trying to streamline on a digital platform like we had to when everybody started to work from home, um, you, you look at the low-hanging fruit and, you know, going paperless was one of them. Um, so it's really how do we do that? Um, the insurance companies themselves uh, all have different strategies on how to do this. Some have tools already that they were trying to leverage uh, and some didn't. In Ontario alone, there's over 100 companies that serve as brokers. Um, so that's 100 different ways to do things, which could just turn into a nightmare. So, you know, as part of our efforts in the industry, it's easier for an association like ours to try and get parties around the table um, to discuss efficiencies than it is for competitors to get themselves around the table, which they're not allowed to do, obviously, um, to do the same. 
So, you know, it's pretty much incumbent on associations like ours to try and identify the issues, get people around the table and see if we can find solutions. I think one of the challenges right off the bat was companies thought you just flicked a switch and magically went paperless and everybody wanted to do it. And they assumed that it wasn't a big deal and they didn't realize the state of how bad the standards were, how every company was different, how it was a dog's breakfast, how some people didn't even know what documents they were sending, how, you know, so I, I, I applaud IBO and you know the entire industry for building a framework to let us do it properly, to uh, to get all the processes in place. Uh, where one of the motivating factors, obviously, the company's trying to reduce expenses. Uh, once phase three finishes up, how many companies are waiting to chomp at the bit to implement it immediately uh, right after that fact? Um, and I love the fact, Jeff, that you you pointed out that you know some companies thought you could flick a switch. Some actually did flick a switch. Um, and there was a lack of understanding at the start, I believe, uh, from some companies as to what the demand for digital print would actually be. Um, so we've always had this challenge between what a consumer has told a broker and what an insurance company may think a consumer wants. Um, and it can be different and it can be conflicting. So, for example, quite often right at the, the get-go, uh, we had heard that some insurance companies had targets um, for their consumers, the, the customers that they service, um, of, you know, they were trying to get 80% penetration for consumers going digital, which, you know, many of the brokers we spoke to were the complete opposite and said, you'd be lucky if you got 20%. So it became pretty evident to us quite early on that we had to go and ask the consumers themselves. Um, but we, we have um, over... I think Steve, eight thousand now from um, Ontario yep. that have responded. Yeah, Ontario's right around eight thousand. Yeah, ten thousand nationally. Yeah, and interestingly enough, fifty-three percent of the consumers that have responded to that say they still want to get paper copies of their insurance documents. Um, so one of the interesting aspects of this is not necessarily the fifty-three, but there's an opportunity for forty-seven in there. So forty-seven percent, nearly half of consumers either want digital or whether they are open to going digital, which I think is a bit of an eye-opener for many of the participating insurance companies as to what is realistic. Like to me, it doesn't matter whether it's 10%, 20%, or 90% that want to do it. All the insurers want to save these stamps, and they're going to get us doing stuff. So isn't this really more importantly about, I mean, who cares how many want it? We're, we're, they're going to implement it we have to establish what the rules of the game are for them, some guiding principles, so we're not jammed with 40 different ways of doing something. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of dynamics to this. Um, so, you know, will insurance companies all evolve this direction? For sure. I don't, I don't see why they wouldn't. Um, so if you're talking about the end game, then, yeah, you're probably right. They're all going to do this. Um, but at what time and how they do it is very different. And this is what we're trying to help um, figure out. So ideally, you want a broker in control because not every consumer um, has their own, you know, all their insurance policies with one insurance company. So you don't want to explain to an, you know, an, an insured, a customer of a broker, look, I know you've got three different insurance companies, maybe one for your business, one for your car, one for your toys. You've got to use three different apps to get access to your paperwork. Um, you know, that, that is just not good customer service. Um, but having said that, there are definitely 
um, brokers out there that don't want to do things digitally or are quite happy for the insurance companies to do it. So, you know, there's this hybrid of, um, you know, how do you make sure that an insurance company understands what certain brokers want, whereas if they truly want to continue to service consumers digitally and the broker doesn't want to do it, how do they do it? Um, so we're seeing the movement of insurance companies on when they do the rollout and how they do the rollout very different. And this is what we're trying to help them with to understand how best to do it and how uh, damaging it can be to an insurance broker's workflows if they don't follow um, certain rules as, as they roll these out. Like I said, you talked about before the idea of flipping on a switch. I think in some industries and service industries, that can be done, right? It's, it's easier when you control the whole um, servicing channel, right, end to end. In clearly the the PNC broker channel, it's more complicated, and it's getting those parties in the ecosystem now to speak the same language, to talk together, to deliver this in a consistent fashion. And the guiding principles is and best practices document is is laid out to do just that, to lay out, um, you know, what's needed to support brokers who are going to look to provide that digital servicing themselves, and that can be a bit different than, uh, you know, a broker who doesn't choose that, and, and a carrier who now offers a a backup plan or an offering to to provide that digital servicing, but all those pieces are considered in there. The guiding principles that that uh, best practices to follow. Uh, obviously, the exact how at the end of the day is going to be dependent on each carrier, and uh, many have made some changes already to to address that. But I think the goal is the to have those best practices laid out so that there is a roadmap and a plan for people to follow consistently. There was, there was kind of an interesting point there that I, I want to tease out. It's, it sounded to me like Colin, Steve, you said that. There are, there are carriers who are going to be offering you know, direct to them customer self-service. And I, I'm really interested in knowing what Jeff, Adam, and Steve think about that. Like you know, most of the way that I've been thinking about the going paperless is how does the paper or the electronic paper go from the carrier to the broker to the customer to, to keep the customer close, you know, keep the broker's customer close to them. If carriers start to introduce ways that the customer can go direct to them, Seems to me it breaks that 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 thought process, and I'm just really interested in hearing what Jeff, Adam, and Steve had to say about that. You know, I I don't know. It might I I'm I'm getting this question sort of cold cocked, so all the answer's got to got to be measured accordingly. But I, I can't think of a single other homogenized part of my life. Like my my closet doesn't have just one maker of clothes. My driveway doesn't have one maker of cars on and on and on go all the way through it i don't have one set of skis right i have a couple different kinds and even myself i don't have one insurance company for all of my risks i have different for life i have different for for auto uh, auto and home are the same my uh, second car is different and and go dangling down there and i don't think the client representation is any different so it came up earlier in here around what does it look like for the customer journey to be scattered amongst those four apps, those four portals, those different passwords? Um, your your advisor, if you have one in the broker sense of the word, like what what good of a job can they do on it? I see why the insurance company wants to capture that data. I see why they want to try and build the brand affinity with it. It's just never going to reach that endpoint. Um, so. It's it's better than nothing, but I think it's very far from ideal in my world. Let me weigh into this one, Tom. So the, the the question here really is, is the broker 
in a position to be able to digitally serve their customers today? Some are yes, some are no, and some are not even interested, okay? So what we're trying to do is help the ones that are no figure out how to go down the path to be able to do that. Those that are no may stay at no, they may shift, we don't know. And as we go through that, we impart on the insurance companies that that is the best solution for the customer to be serviced through the technology that is owned and managed by the broker. However, depending upon the insurance company's strategic plan, depending upon the broker's capability, there may need to be interim opportunities for consumers to be able to reach out and grab those documents. So some companies are a bit more proactive than this than others, and some are pushier than others. So some may reach out to the customer directly and say, hey, look, we've got the technology today. Others may say, well, we can put the technology in place today for consumers to access, and we're going to wait until later to give it to the brokers. And these are the companies we have the discussions with to say, the priority should be with the brokers and getting the broker, the technology and the, the data to be able to service their customers digitally as quickly as possible. At this particular point in time, we have not had any insurance company that has said that what we have stated is incorrect. So they all understand that that is the desire, but some of them are not willing to invest in that solution upfront before they do the run. And that's just the way it is. And that's just because we're coming at this down a path that has already been set for some of these companies for many years. And to try and get it to split a fork at a particular point on the road is not very easy. And like Adam said, I agree with everything that Adam said other than he, he said it's not ideal, I think, quite frankly, it, it's shit. If insurers are going to go down this road of, um, well, we're going to do it if you're not, I mean, the consumer has has a choice between brokers. Well, if they're looking for a digital solution for their documents, let them choose one that has a choice. And for those that don't want, um, they can either pay for the stamps themselves or or, or get a solution. Hey, loyal listeners, when you hear me say CAS certified, that means that we use them in our agency. Are you a local insurance agent looking to take your business to the next level? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS, aka Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. But like in today's world, we use these initials like it's cool because it is. It's hip. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they offer the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing market. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and the guidance you need to see your agency succeed. Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't you survive in the competitive insurance industry? Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions today. Get started today and learn more at mbsbrokerage.com. That's where you learn more, mbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. I agree with you, Steve. I'll just chime in. You guys kind of hit all the points, but uh, 
I just want to make sure brokers have choice. Like, and it should it should start with the broker solution first, and then I hear a number of carriers said, "Hey, we've went through the go paperless thing. We're giving you time to set it up, and if you don't set it up, we're going to launch direct to consumer." So brokers have had a year, year and a half now to do it. Now, have we had the perfect tools to do it right now? I'll talk about that second. No, we haven't. There's some real tech barriers, but we can do the job. So brokers need to have choice. And again, brokers don't take do the choice. Then if their carrier wants to do it, uh, I I feel that they're gonna they they did have a chance to do it. They didn't do it. And it'll be interesting to see what carriers, as Steve mentions, push costs down to us. How that factors in in the future. You know, I think the the survey shows that half of Canada isn't ready for it. So to try and put a gun to our head and say you have to have 90% in 12 months is not the way to go about it, but you want to gradually increase it. You know, what's its stretch goals be? I'm really glad that survey is out there to say, hey, if we're going to turn on the switch, here's what we're going to try and work towards over a period of time. The communication has been very poor. So that's kind of where we have to move it is, hey, we've told you to set it up this way. Who's going to kind of be the watchdog to make sure these carriers are doing their job and the vendors? You know, that's, I guess I throw it to Steve, where are we at with this? And do you think in 12 months that everybody will have it done? And do we need a watchdog to, to make sure they get it done? So our life isn't a complete dog's breakfast? A lot of good points. I want to add on to, 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 to swearing Steve's point too on the, uh, um, the part about the companies. I would say, and I, I try and separate the discussion into two pieces. We talked a couple times about obviously wanting to enable the brokers to provide the service and not have it to be direct to consumer or direct to consumer from a carrier as an only option. I separate that from a, a drive potentially, as we talked about, to go only paperless. And let's cut out the paper. So there, there are two pieces. One is enabling paperless. The other is how far do you try and force it? But from an enabling standpoint, from a positive perspective, when we started the Going Paperless initiative, you know, there were a couple of carriers that were going out and, and offering it. Uh, we the, One of the first things we realized in the paperless was just some of the plumbing in getting those documents to the brokers had some issues that were preventing the brokers from being that option, really. And it was, you know, documents are coming down for the most part through eDocs, um, but there's some nuanced pieces about how they're being sent and some of the use of those that needed to be enhanced and, and, and made more consistent. So that became a priority one, because without that, it's not even going to be an option to provide that servicing. Consistency is key. So we've got seven carriers part of the initiative. They're making the necessary steps, but seven we know is not enough, even though we've got a good representation, even the size of the channel. There's a lot more out there. So this part now is get these recommendations out to the wider industry to start getting those adopted and move on to the second wave of recommendations being being done now, which is all about how do we capture that customer's preference for, for document type and how to do now the carriers work with the brokers and their systems to capture that and, and reflect that. Well, I think we're at what, what Colin has and Steve have found with going paperless, which is a real practical application of the standards, there are things, structural things that are missing, and Colin hit the nail right in the head, is you know, those that create the standards, CSIO, really are the only body that can actually police it, and it needs to be policed, because otherwise you end up with a dog's breakfast sitting on you know your collective doorsteps. It's creating the standards, making sure people, you know, even if you get it right day one, by the time next week rolls around, something's changed and, you know, and, and it has to be updated and, and policed. But um, so Colin hit the nail right in the head there. I, I, I want to go back to something Steve said. You have, you have seven, um, uh, seven carriers. Um, how, do, how does the average broker out there uh, get a handle on what, if he looks at his portfolio, how does he get a handle on which of the carriers are actually, you know, doing the, doing the, um, 
you know, doing the going paperless in the way that suits the broker, in a way that suits themselves, or just not doing it at all? How, do, how does a, the average broker figure out, you know, are their carriers playing ball here or not? So many brokers look to their associations for indications on what some of these um, trends are. Um, some just listen directly from their insurance carriers. Some are a hybrid. Some do industry press. So as we discussed, as as the going paperless group, we do need to um, better communicate what has been done and what is available through all of those channels. Um, otherwise, you may not hear or you may hear something that is not consistent. Um, but going back to Sweary Steve's point, um, it's really about broker choice. So what we do need to educate is the brokers need to ensure that they're asking their carriers for choice. Um, a lot of the understanding of some of these issues um, doesn't emanate in clear communication to those that are making the investments. So you have to make sure that the insurance companies hear loud and clear what the expectations of the brokers are. Who in your mind is going to be the biggest obstacle on this? Is it going to be time to delivery for brokers to get this solution there using the existing BMSs? Are, are they going to be the obstacle or is it going to be the insurers? You know, I, I'll, I'll answer it from a slightly different um, perspective, okay, that when I used to work in the insurance company side of things, one of the challenges was always trying to get um, brokers to move in a particular direction. When you talk to BMS providers, they quite often have a hard time trying to understand what their um, brokers really want and need to make the investments. And some are better at this than others, and some move faster than others. Um, you then have to look at the dynamics of the tech vendors themselves and who owns them, who's investing in them, and how quickly are they likely to move, depending on the scale of the number of products that they have, the markets that they serve, and it gets very complicated very quickly. My view, on to answer your question, I think the biggest obstacle in all of this is the brokers, because trying to get a single voice on expectations and to actually create physical activity to make sure everybody understands those expectations is really challenging. And what's physically po possible in the, in the broker network is entirely up to the capabilities that the, the BMSs will, will provide us with for the money that we pay them. And one thing on that, Steve, that we are doing at the moment, we've been in touch with the vendors, on, again, from a going paperless perspective with the vendors to try and make it easier somewhat and understandable for the brokers is working with the vendors to get a very, really, you know, a simple info sheet uh, of some sort. But the idea is to try and create a fairly simple to follow, concise, focused on, on this point specifically, cheat sheet or info sheet per BMS for brokers to kind of see, you know, if you're on this system, here's what you can do. Here's what it enables you to do and how to do it. Uh, hopefully that as well help provide some of the brokers who may not be as familiar with what their, their system can do. There's a myriad of solutions out there. Like, you know, obviously Truffle has announced uh, this year they're offering their mobile app and their portal for free, uh, depending on what preferences you want. I'm not sure, you know, a lot of people will tend to pick the solution that goes right with their BMS that connects, but other people look at different solutions out there at this point. Is there any solution that's rising to the top right now? I mean, from a going paperless perspective, it's really about enabling the broker to use their system of choice. And obviously the BMSs are the the... the I say the easier, but from an existing infrastructure, the eDocs is kind of the the way today. So again, we look at different horizons on this from a short term 
leveraging eDocs because most documents are being sent that way. I got a question for everybody. I don't know if I'm allowed to add it. And Tom, you can cut it out later if you want. But uh, what advice would you give to Joe Broker that's got no tech and he's he's right loving the mail? How does he go from zero to hero in the digital world? What are some advices to make that transition over a 12-month period? Or, you know, i like to hear this group maybe share some brokers who are like, man, I need to do something, but where do I start? Love to hear some ideas. Uh, uh, the, the quick answer from my perspective is sell his business to one of the three of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that one. <laughs> you know, it's, no it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I'm, I, I'll jump in. I was kind of thinking similar, and I'll, and I'll say this as a, as a non-buyer. As we've, we've bought very little or near nothing. But I'm sitting here thinking, like, is it even possible, right, to, to fully catch up and piece? Or do you need to find a bridge across, a helping hand, a something? Before I forget, a good, a good website, uh, www.ibo.org, going hyphen paperless. There's a bunch of resources there. So if you're on the journey to look for it, definitely look into that. If you look at brokers who are more down the quote-unquote digital path, Ask any one of them what their tech stack looks like outside of their BMS. And they're all running stuff to get the job done that the BMS either doesn't do at all or does, but they just they check the box and they do a real shit job at it. So you got to buy something else. So, Jeff, you've got uh, robotic process automation going on. Adam, in addition to his BMS, he's probably got about six or eight different things. I know I've got at least four, whether it's lead management, like it, like the list is really long. And that's because our BMSs have, have, like Colin said, sat on their laurels and the demands of what we need to do in order to meet the needs of the consumer have outpaced that, that space entirely. I think if we try and help the BMSs understand some of the core of functionality that they need to improve to help your businesses. I think that would go a long way because they they have, although they've been you know resting on the laurels, they have a hard time as well trying to understand all the different business models that are out there that they service or try and service. Um, so your natural um, you know sort of reaction is to get to the lowest common denominator um, because you know if you can invest millions of dollars down a path and only ten people are going to use it, why bother? So I think there's a lot that we can do and should do to try and help them down that path. Um, and I know frustration has been building for quite a number of years. Um, and then, you know, this is one of the reasons, I mean, you've got to ask yourself why there's not more competition in the BMS um, vendor network um, out there is because it is so difficult to break into. You said there was not a lot of competition in the BMS space. I'd actually argue that there's uh, been quite a bit of competition in the BMS space. It's just come out of the core, it's come away from the core part of the business, right? There are lead management tools out there. There are client portal tools out there. There's um, there's all kinds of things that the modern broker needs to needs or wants to use that the BMSs haven't done, right? So so very few people have gone after the CSSIs or the you know applied epics or what have you, but they've gone very heavily into that space around that. And there are, and there, there's new solutions is going after the, the core BMS market. There was uh, tech canary, you know, there is broker core. So there is actually, you know, relative to 10, 15 years ago, actually there's quite a bit more competition. And I think that's because a number of smart folks have seen that there's this huge gap in what the BMSs provide, whether it's a pathway or a true flower or nude or, you know, any one of broker lift, I could probably, if I thought about it hard enough, name off 10 or 12 of them. 
that are that are going after that space. Sorry, very few of them are doing anything that one of the BMSs doesn't already do. They're just doing it well, right? Because all the BMSs are going, oh, we check that box. We do that. We do that. Yeah, we do that too. Yeah, but you do none of it well. I think you're, in a, you're seeing a push to openness. Like when Applied Systems said they're opening things up, becoming less like Apple and more like PC, that got my attention. So these guys can have a solution for everything because things are changing too quick. So they got to pick what they want to be good at and what they want to build and decide if they're going to do it or not. Just make sure that if they're not going to do something, let me pipe what I want in there and make it easy for me to push data from point A to point B and get the job done. That's I just don't like hitting barriers. I don't like getting a $35,000 bill to put connect point A to point B because they're building some kind of bridge that doesn't need to be built. So I, I'd like to see things open and we're seeing a trend towards that. So I think that's going to really shake things up. A couple things I would decide quickly if you're looking at going paperless is start, first of all, start educating your clients. If you haven't gone paperless, you need to figure out, start looking at a solution, but you have to get your clients ready for it, whether it's an e-blast, whether it's social media, start explaining the benefits of paperless. And then you need to build a process in there to, in your system, make sure there's a spot to identify how the client wants to get paper. And some of the systems out there are not very good or there's not many fields left to say, hey, I want text, I want email, I want mobile app. Make sure you'll be able to do that. And then make sure you ask your client. Like, you know, it's one thing to automatically assume people are that way and make them go paperless, but those people convinced against their will are of the same opinion still. So you got to be careful you're not making people do stuff and pushing them to somewhere they don't want to go. But likewise, you know, when you add, write up a new client, make sure you add them immediately. You know, make sure they're added on. Don't optionally do it. You know, try and get them signed up immediately, all your new people. And then over a period of time, try and get your clients gradually moving over there and improve your processes. So this is some things that I would look at doing. I know we we're trying to get more and more of our clients on paperless, but we're not forcing people to go paperless that don't want to do it. If you feel that your BMS is um, holding your business back, um, what, what would you suggest that they need to do to try and propel your business forward? Uh, number one, I would say don't lose our data data leakage and again i know it's gotten better but i still have stuff that's missing when i go to requote it uh, i would like them to be able to requote my clients automatically uh, i've got a vendor applied systems that i pay two or three times the rating i pay for the bms but it's not smart enough to to requote it uh you know again i can get my robotic process automation to do that for a price tag and i probably will end up doing it but why is that not coming in the box uh, have an analytics module that, you know, that if you got consent from brokers that actually does stuff and give you intelligible information. One of the challenges, unfortunately, with all the BMSs is that the, the, what's made them cool is you can build them the way you want, but everybody's built their own activities and built them their own way. So you can't, uh, you can't take that data the same way because everybody's used different activities. So that's one of the challenges, but try and get it to a point where we, we can actually compare ourselves to our peers but not pay an arm and a leg for it, uh, you know, and then continue to build connectivity. Like, you know, my mobile app solutions, they're okay, but I'd like to see things improve, build more functionality, allow me to do more things for my clients. Let me automate more stuff so my staff can actually be speaking to consumers, having high value conversations. I, I got to put an asterisk before my answer, because I think we are a different looking brokerage. We, we sort of run differently. I don't know fully on different valleys or angles, but if they built a solution for us, 
um, I think it would be significantly underutilized by many. So I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this answer. I'll still give it with I I don't know it's a smart use case, but if we were to say what we want or what I think is holding back other really competitive tech out there um, is the the access to quoting. There's one major player and sort of one minor player, maybe one and a half minor players. Um, so they are the gatekeeper on will a nude solutions be able to quote auto insurance or home insurance across. Um, that's one big barrier. A second big barrier is uh, the EDI download. Um, so each one has built their own proprietary piece, locked it up and kept it as an inclusive module inside. It's an incredibly powerful tool you could point towards any other database, which leads me to my third one. All I really actually want is a wide open modern database that, that we can interact with. If you can give us a wide open modern database we can do all the plumbing for all the other things that we want to do that's different from what Steve or Jeff wants to do. Um, if you want to build an API interface to the entire thing, cool. But otherwise, if you don't want to do that, just unlock the damn database for us and, and let us have it in anything modern. Um, and then we're able to go on. I, I, I guess for me, it's I, I, on two, 2022 pricing, I don't want something that has the capabilities from 89. I think I deserve, I deserve better than that. You know, like if it's going to be 1989 or 94, whatever it is, the version and the code, then, then charge me the pricing from then. Um, otherwise, give me the capabilities. I really shouldn't have to have this whole other tech stack of stuff that you actually do, but aren't really doing well. So, I mean, go, go back to my earlier point. I mean, as you can see, even just talking to the three brokers on the call here, we get three different viewpoints of the world based upon your own business environment. So if you can imagine wrapping in thousands of brokers, it must be incredibly difficult for any vendor working in our um, industry to try and make head and tail of these unless you start to group certain brokers and types of brokers and types of businesses together. You're being really kind. I mean... We're not all that different when it comes to certain segments of what we do. There are things that I do, Adam does, and Jeff does, and every even the, the broker without a BMS, well, maybe not the ones without a BMS, but um, that we do, well, yeah, even the ones without a BMS. What do we do? We're keying stuff in portals. What do we do? We do accounting steps. There are, there are all these little things. We all want to know what when the next payment is coming out and how much it'll be. All of us want that. Just little things that really make sense for everybody. Let me, let me tack on to what Steve said there too. I mean, BMS vendors are software vendors, tech vendors, no different than any other industry. Well, there's many other industries that have software vendors that have figured this out. This, this isn't a unique challenge to the BMS vendors to figure out what their diverse base of customers want. Right, every other software, every other software vendor has this challenge, but many of them figure it out. I think one of the good things that we're seeing now is is we we've now got brokers driving the business case 
and communicating that to CISO where the companies are and starting it there and discussing it first, then going to the vendors as opposed to vendors bringing it to us. We're part of the solution. It's not. It's done with us, not to us. So that's a huge shift because we got to build the uh, the rules of the road because we got people sending bad data. They're sending it the bad ways. There's no consistency. We get that all cleaned up. Back to Adam's point about having that system that can take the data and bolt stuff on. We can move it around a lot better and we can reduce that friction. So that's encouraging where things are going. And, uh, you know, again, everybody's got a little different vision. Our independence is our greatest strength, but also our greatest weakness because everybody's at a different stage of the, of the stairs, at a different stage. We're not at the same point, but if we can jump into some projects together and get caught up together and move together, it's amazing what we can do, right? So that's what's starting to happen. And uh, the brokers are actually starting to drive the business cases now, which is a huge shift. And it's we're going to start seeing more and more of that, like Go Paperless. The brokers led that initiative, brought the companies and vendors to the table. That's a huge success, I think. That's the way to do it. I totally agree. And then the Going Paperless project was key to actually getting back to some of that basic information. So what is in a file? What is in an e-doc? Where is it going? And that's all we were trying to do to make sure, as Steve was saying, find the commonality across all the business units and can we do it consistently? And then we can all at least get on a platform that we can move from. Is retention important to your brokerage? Of course it is. That's why at IFS, we have a cancellation prevention process. Want more details? Give us a call. I know you don't always use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. CAS Certified. 